Welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. This is episode 1025, my interview with Vix Munro discussing money mindset. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Vix. Welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. Great to have you here today. Hi. Yeah, it's great to be here. I would say this morning, but it's probably evening where you are or something like that. Yeah, it's 7.30 p.m. here in the UK. 7.30 p.m. in the UK, 5 a.m. in Australia or 5.30. There you oh, go. So you've you've got a, uh, a strong Kiwi accent there. So you're from New Zealand originally and it sounds like you've, you've travelled a bit. Yeah, I've travelled quite a lot. Um, I first came to the UK over 30 years ago. I've spent quite a bit of time back in New Zealand over the last 10 years and also travel quite extensively. It's one of my passions. Yeah, nice. I think it's uh, something that I'd recommend to anyone to do more of and I wish we could do more of it now, but we're sort of restricted at the moment, aren't we, in many ways? We sure are. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Yeah, me too, me too. So, look, welcome to the podcast. Um, you've got a, a bit of a diverse background there, but in particular, um, you know, talking about financial independence and, and financial um, mindsets, I suppose, and trying to empower people to have that financial capacity. Um, but just maybe give the audience a little bit of a brief bio as to what you do. Okay, yes, I'm a money slash wealth coach and I work mostly with women and I work in two areas really. One is kind of the emotional side of money, so that's the money mindset, and the other is the more practical side of money, so that's kind of like managing your finances. But really what I'm about is financial empowerment. So empowering people to feel more confident in, you know, managing their finances and in the financial decisions that they make. Okay. How did you get into this field? Have you got a, a background in finance or? Yeah, well, creation? my background is um, I started off in New Zealand at university studying accountancy and economics and then here in the UK, I did a master's in economics. So my background is really accountancy, economics, and pricing. So, and also, you know, accountancy is more for business, but, you know, it's also numbers and it's practical. Mm. But also I spend a lot of time really interested in personal finance, um, managing my own finances, and helping friends manage theirs too. Okay, okay. So how do you work with someone or where do we start with, you know, financial empowerment? Because I guess the um, the topic comes up immediately as this idea about money and and I guess some people probably get turned away like, you know, who are you to tell me about money and, and who cares anyway? Like, you know, money sometimes has that sort of dirty feel to it. Yeah. Not this, um, this empowering feel. Yeah, and I mean, and I think you're right. And obviously for a start, you know, I do some one-to-one coaching and obviously for someone to want to have one-to-one coaching, like money or wealth coaching, then they have to want to be empowered. But I think I also, you know, in my social media, I talk about money all the time. I talk about why we should be financially and why we need to, you know, be financially empowered. Because, you know, what happens in life, you know, if, if we don't do anything about our life, it's, you know, we work hard, we work nine to five, maybe longer, and we struggle to get by. We spend everything we earn, and and some people, you know, spend a lot of time in debt. And then you come to the end of your working life and you haven't saved up enough, you know, for retirement, and then you struggle through your retirement years as well. So a lot of what I talk about is that, you know, a lot of the time we're not making the best financial decisions and 
we need to think about those and change them so that we can actually live our best life now and in the future. And one of the things I see a lot is, you know, people, well, one of two things actually, it's very hard. I've, I really see people who've got a good balance, but people living a more hedonistic life now, so spending everything they've got going into debt, you know, not really worried about the future. But mm. at the end of the day, they don't want to spend their golden years in poverty. Mm. And then on the other side of the coin, you get people that are squirreling everything away and it's all about the future and not really enjoying life now. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, so it's kind of like the two extremes, whereas where we really want to be, where I think, you know, we should want to be, and obviously everyone's different, maybe some people are happy with that, is somewhere in the middle where we can spend money having a good time now, knowing that we're putting away enough for the future as well. Yeah, I think if you can find that balance, it's it's a great, it would be a great setup, isn't it? Um, yeah, and I, I right, like there's two camps of people out there that we see is is the ones that just spend paycheck to paycheck, um, perhaps yeah, don't don't actually it. earn that well, or maybe they earn that well and they just spend it all anyway. Um, and then you've got the other camp that just save everything away or, or just be very frugal with what they do with their money. Yeah, and it's interesting actually because, you know, there's a couple of stereotypes, aren't there? You get the the big earner who spends a lot of money but actually has has nothing to show for it in terms of what they own. They might not own a house. You know, they spend everything they earn so they don't have anything to show for it. And then the other stereotype is on the other end about someone squirreling and saving away. This is very stereotypical. I just think of like a little old librarian who retires or maybe who who dies and has got, you know, maybe a million in the bank and, you know, lived very frugally throughout her year. So you kind of get these stereotypes. I mean, most people, admittedly not all, but most people could probably put away more than they do at the moment. I mean, I know some people are really, really struggling and, you know, living in poverty if not below the poverty line. But I think most people could cut costs in some way. And I think the issue is a lot of us spend emotionally. I mean, I'm guilty of doing this myself. We... We buy, we buy things that we don't need or don't even really want hmm. just for some kind of emotional fulfillment. Yeah. What is the money mindset behind these two stereotypes we're talking about here, the one that spends it as it comes in and lives, you know, a, not, a nice life now but not thinking about the future and then the other one that hoards it or, or you know. Well, I think, I think the person that's maybe hoarding everything away kind of comes from, uh, well, There's a couple of things involved, really, and it really depends on the person because there's lots of things going on. But one of them could be kind of a lack mindset that I can't have everything now, kind of fear, a bit of fear associated with spending that money. Um, Is it a a sense of like money gives us this security? So if we have money, if we have more of it and put it in the bank, then, you know, we're not going to be in a state of... um, of yeah, so there's a lot of fear. Poverty. You're right. There's a lot of fear associated with not having that money. But, you know, some of these people that do hoard money actually hoard a lot of money, a lot more than they need and a lot more than they probably need to feel secure. And I think from a money mindset perspective, it's kind of like if you're, it's almost like, you know, or from a money energy perspective, it's almost as if if you're not spending it, then it's not going to flow and come back to you either. So you're kind of just hoarding it away. And then I think, you know, on the other side, I mean, the other good example of the other side is um, someone who wins a lottery. And I can't remember what the statistics are, but it's something like 
90% of people who won the lottery have spent it all within five years and are broke again. So they pretty much go back to where they were. So it's almost the opposite, isn't it? It's almost like they've just, they've got to spend it. They've got to get rid of it as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everyone goes back to uh, um, homeostasis level, regardless of whether it's money or anything. It's, it's always falls back to this this state um, of balance that we're in. Um, yeah, and there's an get, economic term for it, a regression to the mean. Regression to the mean, there you go. So, And I think, you know, some people will hoard the money. Uh, it's like money anyway. Like, you know, there's people out there that earn so much money that you think it's, it's um it's enough, you know, but they they have this. It's almost like an addiction, and I guess it's, everyone's guilty of it. It's like it's never enough, you know. Once you get a little bit, you want more and more and more and more and more, um, and there seems to be no balance at all there. And it's not about hoarding it; it's just about. And it's I don't think it could be about security, but there's something about the the ultra wealthy. You see them; they've got billions of dollars, but it's still not enough, and they still chase more. And I think there's a, you've raised an important point, like, you know, enough, that word's a really interesting word, isn't it? What What is enough? What What does that mean? And I think, you know, for a lot of us, we're trying to establish that. And something else I think that happens with money is um, what's called lifestyle inflation. So what happens is people, you know, if you're in a salary job, you get a pay rise. Instead of, like, that all go to saving and investing for the future, it's automatically spent. So you're not increasing your kind of savings or your investments. It's like, okay, I'll spend more now, I've earned more money. And I think right. you know, that yeah. happens over time is that, you know, we get lifestyle inflation on top of lifestyle inflation on top of lifestyle inflation. Yeah, no, that's right. You earn more, you start buying, you know, the nicer foods and, and clothes and bits and pieces. And, uh, and I think and, that contributes, the I, think that then, that, I think that then contributes to this not enoughness. Yeah, so where do we start with helping someone with their money mindset? What do you do to, I mean, do well, people I mean, come to you and say, look, I need help? Yeah, I mean, some people come and say, I really want to work on my money mindset. Other people come and say they want to work on their financial strategies and looking at strategies right. for creating and growing wealth. But I think the one thing I, I say is that when you have good um, strategies for managing your money, and a strong money mindset, that's where the magic happens. But if you want to work on your money mindset, the first thing is, what is your money mindset? I mean, because ultimately it's a subconscious a subconscious beliefs that you've had since childhood. And a lot of the time we don't even know that we have them. So the first thing really, and, and sometimes you notice that things come up or you've got blocks, like a typical block I see, so I work with a lot of women who are in the entrepreneurial space, so mm -hmm. have online businesses, is blocks to actually even receiving money or thinking that they can earn a certain amount of money. And something that's very common is pricing about, you know, not feeling that they can charge their worth and their pricing, so constantly underpricing. Yeah. So. Sometimes people come to me and they're aware of some of their money blocks or aware of what they work on. Other people are just like, I know I've got issues. I want to kind of address it. People people reach out to you, yeah? So you have to have some sort of level of awareness yeah. to, to obviously go to a coach in that financial space. Um, otherwise, yeah. you, you may not be aware. Absolutely. It says there's a, a two-by-two two matrix for that, isn't it? Isn't it something like... Oh, I can't remember what it is now, consciously unconscious. No, I can't remember what it is, but, yeah, you have to, something about awareness, but, yeah, 
it's about knowing what you know. You know that you don't know things or you don't know that you don't know things, that kind of thing. So you have to know that you don't know things. You have to be in that kind of um, square of the two-by-two two matrix. And I can't remember who it is now who, who or who created it. But, yeah, you have to be conscious of the fact that you've got work to do. And I always say, you know, for money mindset, it's something that you have to, chip, you know, it is so ingrained. It's something that you have to chip away at over time. And it's not something that's going to happen overnight. So I, I, you know, I notice it for myself that there's always work to do that, you know, I find these things coming up and saying, oh, I thought I worked on that, but um, clearly not enough. So it's it's like chip chips throughout your lifetime. Do you think people come to you more from, you know, financial strategies and, and growth thoughts rather than this issue with a money mindset firstly and then maybe discover throughout that process that they have yeah that definitely happens mm-hmm. that people come because they feel that their finances are in a mess and you know we look at their finances and then we also look to see if there's any issues that are holding them back and you know we all have blocks money blocks it could be about receiving money it could be about spending money um, and, and they come up when you start coaching people and talking to them about their finances, it, it's interesting what comes up. Yeah, yeah, I imagine that's more more so the case because to, to be conscious of a, a money mindset issue um, would be very hard without knowing that there's some sort of financial troubles that you're having, um, and that's when you may discover it through that process. Um, many- and and, and yeah, I was just going to say, there's a lot of coaches out there that do Minds, you know, because mindset's not just related to money, it's related to everything we do. Who do general mindset work and they would cover the money alongside other issues where I tend to focus just on the mindset. And and you're right, it's most women that are coming to me are coming more to initially to work on their financial strategies. Yeah, you deal with a lot of women, obviously, and and um in the entrepreneurial space as well. Do you find it's 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 one-sided? Like, is it women coming to you because they have trouble managing their finances or because, I mean, what, what's the balance there? I, what I, well, I, the kind of woman I tend to attract is a woman that actually has an online business. She's good at making money but not so good at keeping it and growing it. So she feels like I'm making really good money but I don't have much to show for it. On, okay. And, and, and a common thing with women, and this is, you know, more common with women than men, is that, Women tend to put keep money in savings, so in their bank account, when they're earning, well, close on 0% interest, rather than actually invest it when you can get much higher returns. So, you know, their wealth is not growing that fast. So that's one of the things I kind of tend to look at with them. Yeah, that's a biological or evolutionary trait, I think, with women, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's, you know, women are not, men are a bit more, um, gung-ho, more prepared to take risks. And women, I think, are a bit more cautious, particularly about their money, because they see it as kind of family money for their children, whatever. So they're cautious to invest in something that has, you know, some level of risk associated with, with it without having a lot of education. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely uh, something that you see in, in women more so than men. And it's that, again, sense of security, I feel, that, um, you know, they, they're the providers or, or the, the the nest they're the hub of the nest and, you know, they want to make sure that security is there for the family, for their flock uh, long-term, whereas men sort of come and go, I think. Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that's what I tend to see. What do you do? I mean, what's some simple strategies around money management that we can share with the audience? Well, I think one of the strategies is, you know, like in particular for people who start haven't started investing 
and want to because they do realise that they want to grow their wealth but they're scared is to go in. One of the things I suggest is to go in and to start small. Um, so invest a small amount each month, whether it's like, I don't know, £20 per month, um, find an app or a platform to use and, you know, I, I suggest some and start investing small and just gaining confidence that way. So because I think one of the myths about investing is that you have to have a lot of money to invest. You have to know a lot. Well, no, you can kind of invest in funds, which are, you know, a group of stocks, a group of companies. So a group of stocks and shares, you don't actually have to individually select some. So just kind of take a, a softly, softly approach and gain confidence over time. That's one of the things I talk about. Another thing I talk about quite a lot is about the need to have an emergency fund. And I think, you know, COVID showed us, you know, how important that was because a lot of people, you know, particularly people in business, you know, things happened, you know, they lost their income. Some of them had to pivot and were able to make income in a different way. But it showed the importance of actually having, you know, an emergency fund, mm. which I say should be, you know, th three to six months worth of expenses that you have that's, you know, in a lick that's easily, you know, very liquid. So usually a bank account or here in the UK, it could be something like premium bonds or something like that for emergencies. Um, that's two quick ones. Do you do a bit of crypto? Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the I'm, crypto I'm, market right now? Sorry? What are your thoughts on the crypto market right now? Well, yeah, the crypto market's um, dropped quite a lot, but I'm, I'm, I'm quite big into crypto and I've been investing in crypto since 2017 and I've obviously looked at the market since its inception, since Bitcoin came onto the scene back in 2009. And if you look at it in all the dips, like this has pretty much been a dip of around 50% from its all-time high a few months ago. And if you look back historically, there's been many instances when it's dipped 50% and recovered and not just recovered, but then gone on to increase more. So for me, the fundamentals of crypto have not changed. What we see is, you know, lots of things happening with, you know, um, Russia wanting to ban mining, um, what else is going on? You know, things happening in the U, people talking about they want to regulate it, that type of thing. But for me, the fundamentals of crypto and what it represents have not changed. So mm. I think it's for me, I'm riding the waves and I'm I'm in for the long term. And I think, you know, with any kind of investment, you shouldn't be thinking, you know, three months, six months, you should be thinking, well, 10 years or, or decades. Long term. What would your advice be to someone looking at um, crypto and going, I don't understand it enough, but I, I want to get involved? Well, I well, I would. My advice is to educate yourself because personally, I think it's a really interesting and quite fascinating space, and I personally believe it it is the future, and it could even be the biggest opportunity of our lifetime. I mean, who knows? But I think personally, I think it's that big. So, I, first thing I would say is to educate yourself, and if you're going in, you know, be cautious because you know if you're not familiar with it and you, and you haven't done your due diligence, and only mm. invest money that you um, can afford to lose. Yeah. Any particular coins? I mean, the problem, the problem is with crypto, hmm. one of the things I find with crypto is because it's so volatile, it's like big ups, it, it does have big ups and, and they're exhilarating. But when you first experience your big down, it's kind of like, you know, I think I got had my first one in well, 2017 or 2018. It was a huge drop and I'd just gone in and it kind of dropped a lot. But 
um, yeah, that was kind of quite traumatic at the time. But over time, I've kind of got used to it. So now I accept that it's highly volatile and there's going to be big dips and you just got to write it out. So I would say that if someone finds it difficult to deal with that level of volatility, then it's probably not for them at this, at this point in time. Yeah, but you raise a good point too. Like anything, you know, if you took some money to the casino, you're taking a gamble. If you put it into the shares, you're taking a gamble. If you bought a, a property, everything's to some level got risk. Um, yeah. And so all, you have all, to investing, risk. all investing is, has risk. It's just different levels of risk. And I think crypto is seen as having higher risk because it's new and because of the volatility. But I personally think... If you look at the fundamentals, I think crypto has a place in the future. I think the other thing about crypto is there's thousands and thousands of coins and, you know, everyone's jumped on the bandwagon and created these coins. But many of them won't survive. But those that do, I think, will do really well. Yeah, and I guess that's new, uncertain, you know, all that sort of thing goes with it. But you've got to manage that risk. And I think your money mindset, you know, go into it with a knowledge that, hey, you may put this $10 into it and you may not get anything back from it. You know, and if you can sort of be comfortable with that, then you're going to be less emotional when big drops happen or, or something like that. You yeah, know? and the other thing I suppose with crypto is I see like, you know, Bitcoin, which is the monster in the space, and the second coin, which is Ethereum. Um, I see them as being less risky than some of the other crypto, some of the other what are called altcoins. But the old, some of the other altcoins are far more volatile than, say, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And when you look at Bitcoin and Ethereum and think they're volatile, well, some of, some of the smaller altcoins are even more volatile. So I think even within the crypto space, there's different levels of risk as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting market, crypto. What um, with, with financial uh, wealth, do we, do we need to invest and, and put some aside into savings? Have you got percentages that you'd say, look, put this into savings, put this into, you know, growth um, assets like crypto, for example? Do you have a um, yeah, so one of, one of the things I talk about is the difference between savings, which I see as being cash or very liquid assets. Um, well, very low risk because mm -hmm. the thing about savings, so I'd say that was your emergency fund, but also things that you're saving for within the next five years. Yep. So it could be a deposit for a house, it could be a wedding, it could be your children's education. Because the thing about investing, and, you know, you've touched on this, that, you know, stocks and shares can go up and down. At the moment, we've seen Facebook drop by, well, I just read it this morning, uh, today, was it 20%? Um, it's not called Facebook anymore, it's called Meta. Um, and the Meta That's stock right. price have a big dip today. So stocks and shares can dip as well and you know as can property we've all seen you know property crashes in our in our lifetime so yeah. any investment can go up and down so I always say if you're investing money you really need to be in for at least five years and ideally longer because if you do get in at what turns out to be a bad time and it's really difficult to time the market then you need to stay in long enough for your investment to you know for the cycle to kind of run its course and for your investment to recover. Yeah, no, good advice, good advice. Now, you've got a book out there, do you, Vix? So I have a chapter in a book, um, which is actually, my chapter's called A Balancing Act, and then I have a book which is coming out in around June this year, which is about financial literacy for women. So it's really a book, a general book about personal finance, and it looks at the six pillars of financial literacy, which are managing credit and debt, 
making money, spending money, planning for retirement, um, I've missed one, and protection, which is things like insurances. Investing, mm. investing was the other one. <laughs> investing, yeah. Well, cool. Well, um, all the best with the book. Um, how can people best reach out to you, Vix? Okay, so I have a website, which is Retire Rich with Vix. I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page called Retire Rich. I also have a Facebook community for women, which is um, the Retire Rich community. And I'm on Instagram as and LinkedIn as Vix Munro. Vix Munro. When do you want to retire, Vix? Well, I mean, the thing is, the thing about retirement is a lot of people don't like the word retirement. So I suppose I'm talking about, you know, being financially free, really. And I say it's when you've got enough money so you don't actually need to work, though you may choose to. So essentially, I'm kind of retired now. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Financial freedom. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Vix. It's been awesome. And um, Thank you I'll very much for having me. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'll put the links in the show notes, guys. Check it out, thehiddenway.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwide.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon